0: Bipolar disorder of the DSM meets the polyvagal theory. What do the defensive autonomic states have to do with manic and depressive episodes? My name is Justin Sinceri.
1: And I am Mercedes Corona. We are licensed marriage and family therapists and your fellow trauma nerds, helping you understand and apply the science of connection to daily life.
0: Welcome to episode 46 of the Polyvagal Podcast. If you're one of the super fans, stick around after the main topic. We've got two major announcements major announcements mercedes
1: big huge
0: huge and probably the best dm the best direct message i've ever received from one of your fellow superfans
1: did you catch my pretty woman quote right there no big huge
0: oh i didn't catch that sorry
1: okay before we get into things remember to put yourself first we keep every episode as safe as we can, but just by the nature of the topics, you might experience something come up for yourself. Take a break if you need to and come back when you're ready.
0: We are looking at bipolar disorder and the DSM. In particular, I want to focus on mania, what's called what are called manias, and major depressive episodes.
1: This information is not meant to diagnose. If you feel like you may be experiencing symptoms of bipolar disorder, Make sure to consult with a mental health or a medical professional. We are speaking in generalities and your specific situation, diagnosis, treatment, and medication are entirely between you and your provider. Bipolar one disorder is the combination of manic and depressive episodes. So that is high, really high highs and really low lows. Bipolar two disorder is depressive episodes. So really low lows with hypomanic episodes. So these episodes of mania are not quite as high as in bipolar 1. And then cyclothymic disorder is sort of many versions of depression and mania put together. So not quite so low depression and not quite so high mania.
0: I thought it would be the most productive of our time here, Mercedes, to really look at what a manic episode is. Uh, Briefly hypomanic episode. And then a major depressive episode, since these are the core pieces of what makes up the bipolar disorder diagnosis or diagnoses, a manic episode is a period of at least one week when a person is very high spirited or irritable in an extreme way. Most of the day for most days has more energy than usual and experiences at least three of the following showing a change in behavior. So this, by the way, this is from uh, American Psychiatric Association and I have a link Below to exactly what this is. Number one is exaggerated self-esteem or grandiosity. This is this was a really tough one, honestly. I, it feels like there's some level of sympathetic charge here, right? I don't think we have that exaggerated self-esteem or grandiosity in a shutdown place. Agreed. That seems to okay. That seems to require some level of or even a lot of energy. Yes. Right.
1: I get tripped up with like where does it come from? And I don't know if maybe I'm traveling to the land of why. But what what would make a person's self-esteem in if we're assuming it's a sympathetic state, so either flight or fight, what would make a person's self-esteem exaggerated or grandiose? Do you know what I, like do you know what I mean as compared to their regular level of self-esteem?
0: So is this a behavioral adaptation, or is this a story follow state to the extreme? You know, like the story matches the amount of sympathetic charge inside of someone, and the story for this person is about themselves and how great they are, I guess. That makes sense,
1: actually, because if we think about it, we're talking about bipolar, right? And so in a manic episode, they are higher than a typical high. So then that would mean that the sympathetic state, the sympathetic charge, is more sympathetic, so to speak. So that does make sense that it would just be, not just, that it would be an exaggerated sense of self-esteem because the sympathetic energy is so high. Mm -hmm. I guess that does make sense.
0: So to add more Mm -hmm. confusion onto this, I don't know if it's flight or fight energy. I really can't tell. I mean, it, like, the, the this criteria doesn't give us a whole lot, like, exaggerated self-esteem. I don't even know what that means, exaggerated self-esteem. At what point is it too much? Um, you know what I mean? like, But I, I don't know if it's flight or fight energy. How, I can't. How about, one, really can't how about one more
1: wrench into the whole mechanism? Sure. Is, is there a possibility of sure. it being both? Like, is there any any type of sympathetic charge that is the combination of flight or fight? If you think about a, a manic episode, a person in a manic episode... It's not just flight energy. It's not just this moving energy. There is a sort of aggression to it at the same time.
0: But which that, but that brings me to: Is it more of a freeze thing, where that freeze sympathetic energy, which is more chaotic, is now attempting to like eject, is is coming out, has been? I don't want to say triggered, but has been like basically. I don't explode see that outward, because
1: freeze, as as defined by. Our our boys, Doctor Porges and and Peter Levine. It's fr- freeze is shut down plus sympathetic. And we're talking right now about purely sympathetic. And the point of freeze is that you're frozen; that you you have the energy, but you're it's not being released. And in this case, what we're talking about is the energy being released excessively. So.
0: The next step, though, is it, we're talking that, that's freeze. In during a traumatic event, during the event, but the sympathetic energy gets stuck inside of someone, and that, that's when we say that it's frozen, like the, the energy is frozen inside, and that so that free state never quite completely ameliorates. Like it's always the energy, the sympathetic energy is still in there. And so when the when when someone who's who has like PTSD, that freeze energy is still in there. Because they survived a thing, right? where they basically were immobilized while under intense synthetic charge. But that charge gets stuck inside of them. And that when they get, when they get uh, triggered, that's what's happening, is that, that energy is coming rushing out. And they're being brought back to the moment where the energy was stuck in. I see in.
1: that. I see what you're saying. But I, I'm having a hard time getting on board. Because I, I'm also thinking about how a manic episode in a person who's diagnosed with bipolar disorder can last you know from hours to days to weeks even i mean people can have manic episodes that what one episode lasts a consistent you know like weeks consecutively
0: can't we get stuck in these states can't someone be in an aggressive fight state for a long long time or an aggressive ang- or i'm sorry like an anxious like flight place pretty much their whole lifetime yeah so maybe maybe someone can have that low level sympathetic freeze energy coming out and it's not a full blown like flashback reliving you know like it's not this huge surge but it's enough of that stuff coming out consistently to where there is a pretty strong sympathetic charge that's more chaotic or more um, uncontrollable and the story fell state, and it's this very grandiose overblown kind of thing we're just speculating I don't know it does feel like there's a sympathetic charger.
1: I I'm on board Where with the that sympathetic from? Charge. I don't know. I'm not on board with the freeze energy piece of it. Okay. I see what you're saying though.
0: Well okay. me neither. I was just putting it out there. All right. <laughs> it all you know, ultimately it comes down to the client that we have in front of us, so I don't know if we can say that's it. true for everyone who has what it's called the mania. Um but it, of course it comes down to the individual clients in front of us. And that might be different paths, I don't I don't know. The second piece here is less need for sleep the the wording from the APA here, um, I'm not sure about but to me this is more of a sympathetically active thing either you actually need less sleep because you're so sympathetically active that um, you're just going through the day at a high charge, fine the way I read this is actually that you are not sleepy because you're so sympathetically active and laying down to go to sleep is not going to work out so well we don't fall asleep very well. We well, just don't need fight.
1: to. Is what I'm understanding.
0: Maybe that's why they have uh, such extreme depressive episodes. Is because they're recovering from the the high sympathetic charge.
1: I think so. I think that must be a big piece of it. The the swings from such a high to such a low, is one is the recovery period of the other.
0: The less need for sleep. Unfortunately, I don't feel like it's super clear, but it's, it does seem like. It's a sympathetically active th- you know. Yeah, I think that, symptom.
1: that piece of it for me makes sense. There's, there's a ton of sympathetic charge there.
0: I would think so, yeah. All right, third piece here is talking more than usual, talking loudly and quickly. Now, again, this feels pretty clearly like a sympathetically active thing, right? Talking more like that requires some level of energy. Talking loudly, same thing. When we talk loudly, don't we? Doesn't that take some level of energy? And then quickly, uh, we you know we talked about on the podcast that when we drop out of our safe and social state into our flight, fight, sympathetic state, that we lose our vocal prosody. Our vocal prosody, something you're very good at, is that full range of voice, being able to use your voice, your neck muscles to really express. Pretty much anything you need to, whether it be a deep, scary voice or a question. So, you know, if you're more synthetically active, you don't have access to the full range of voice. So this, to me, feels like more of a flight fight. I wonder if there's a connection there,
1: too, with and I don't know how this will sound, but I wonder if with this disorder, there is less access than usual to the safe and social state. And so what I mean is that, you know, we talk about how there's um, the blending of the states, right? And even though a person is in a sympathetic state, they can still have some connection and access to their safe and social. But I wonder with, in a in a manic episode, if a person has almost no access to their safe and social state. Because I know that when I'm sympathetically charged, I can still control a little bit, say, the volume of my speech. But in this case, I wonder if there's so little access and connection to the safe and social state, that there's just a complete loss of awareness of that. And it's more just, do you know what I mean? Just the the fast talking and the loud talking.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. The other thing, I guess, to add on to what you just said and support that is that when we don't have access to our safe and social state, when we're in more of a synthetic place, we breathe faster and we breathe shorter, which leads to a faster rate of speaking because we have less... Uh, Air in our lungs to breathe out while we talk. That again, yeah, less of an access to the safe social state and more of a sympathetic charge to it. The fourth piece is being easily distracted. Again, Mercedes, I feel like we've already struck upon yes. some. Uh, I'm noticing a pattern thing gold here. So I think so. S- easily distracted. D- does this not again sound like some sort of sympathetic activity? Um, possibly due to a neuroception. I don't know if it's a neuroception of danger. I guess, yeah, anytime that we're in that... Actually, no. If we drop down the ladder from safety, that's a neuroception of danger. But if we go from shutdown into uh, our our synthetic state, that's actually from a cue of safety because now we're climbing up the ladder. Along with the easily distracted component here, when we're distracted, I think that is a behavior of being in that flight fight place and constantly kind of scanning the environment for danger if we're scanning the environment from danger i think we're gonna get uh more folk we're gonna we're not gonna be able to focus on one thing at a time obviously and that's gonna look like distraction it could a, a small a small amount not a ton of danger cues but enough you'll you'll neurostep the danger enough or you'll be in that flight fight place enough to uh to look distracted, but not necessarily you're yeah, actually but, running away. So
1: I wanted to ask, maybe some clarification about this one. So you were talking about the neuroception of danger, but if we're saying that in a in a manic episode that it's an exaggerated form of the sympathetic state, is it is it possible that the the behavior of being easily distracted is it just a manifestation of the state without necessarily a person? Neurocepting danger cues.
0: I think that either they've neurocepted danger cue and come down the ladder into the fight fight place, and that the energy for them is uncontrollable, which leads to the behaviors that we'll talk about in a second in a little bit, and might lead to the story being very grandiose, or. They were in shutdown and had enough neuroceptions of safety to actually come up the ladder into that sympathetic state which again might be too much and leads to those behaviors and those stories in their head that's the only well the third path would be coming out of that free state the fifth one is doing many activities at once scheduling more events in a day that can be accomplished such as doing the podcast and the therapy or content event number one Posting Instagram, doing a live stream, editing. taking care of your family, shopping, mm-hmm. making dinner, mm-hmm. editing.
1: Sleeping, maybe? Question mark?
0: Well, I, there's th- these people have less need for sleep. So, right, of course. Um, they go to bed later. They go to bed later. Doing many activities at once. So, again... Mercedes, I think we have, there's a sympathetic energy here, is is there not? Like, but there's no place to direct it. That's, that's what I think is happening here. This doesn't apply to me, by the way, but there's no place to direct it. Right. There's just all this, there's enough sympathetic energy to be motivated to like tackle new things, to start projects, um, to do whatever it is, whatever Whatever the the thing, thing, Mercedes. Yeah. But that's like, there's this chaotic piece of it. And I think, again, this might, this might connect back to the freeze energy the freeze oh my sympath- gosh, i, I, myself, I don't you, the see you, it i don't e- see how it fits it's the but chaotic look, piece see, of it all right i bye. do
1: see how the sympathetic energy i really like how in, in the beginning we talked about how the sympathetic energy is exaggerated in a manic episode there there's no tie there's no connection at all to the safe and social state. There's no little anchor there. When we have that connection, even if it's just a tiny little bit, we can understand that there's no way that we're going to accomplish 6,008 things in this day, no matter how much sympathetic energy we have. So I think the fact that this is an exaggerated form of sympathetic energy, it's almost a distorted sympathetic energy.
0: But that's why I'm saying that it's this chaotic kind of feel to it yes and so this person might be scrambling to figure out like if i do this if i do this if i start doing this project if i spend this money if i am with this person that there's there's no anchor on like how to handle this energy The, the question that we keep stumbling upon is like where is the energy coming from is it up the ladder down the ladder or from the freeze stuck energy i think there's a case to be made there mercedes i do
1: i respectfully disagree
0: okay the second piece of the doing many activities at once is the lack of mindfulness of the energy, not being in the moment, actually not being in the body, actually not. But that requires, like you said, that access to their safe and social state in order to do that, the, the whole mindfulness part of it, and to be able to contain and then direct that sympathetic charge wherever it comes from.
1: It feels like pure energy. Like it's just the energy for energy's sake. Rather than there being a, an end goal to
0: it. Right, and that just sort of leads to this like mindless doing. Mm-hmm. There's probably, I would think, a very low tolerance for being in the present moment. Like you said before, we have to have access to that safe and social state in order to do so. The next piece of mania is increased risky behavior, such as reckless driving, spending sprees. Uh, I would include sexual activity and other such things.
1: I think so. I imagine so.
0: That increased risky behavior. I think that there's, again, like there's the energy is there. It has to be there in order to do these things. There has to be some level of sympathetic energy there, right? But there's no direction. There's no place to point, to point that sympathetic energy. The last piece here of, a, of mania. Uncontrollable. I think it's a key word right there. Uncontrollable racing thoughts or quickly changing ideas or topics. And again, again, like this sympathetic charge. The flight-fight energy. And the word uncontrollable, it's that chaotic kind of piece to it. Which again, makes me go back to the freeze energy coming out. That's, I keep going back there. I, I think we have to make that case. But again, I think this is per person. Part of the problem here is that these are behaviors. But it does not explain why those behaviors are there there's no like when we talked about anxiety and we talked about depression in the past two episodes th- those are very like underlying states of being and these symptoms are more behavioral there's things that but it doesn't say why that someone's doing that so we have to keep asking ourselves like where's the sympathetic energy coming from
1: I think there is a biological component that we said was strictly off limits for this episode. <laughs> but I think, right. I, I think that it's that uncontrollable piece that sticks with me. There is a, a, a chaotic component to this, like a like a characteristic of of uncontrollableness, unpredictability to it. There's there's no rhyme or reason to it.
0: According to this, there's really not. Well, according to just these pieces of the manic of mania, there's really not any rhyme or reason. It's just happening. And I, for one, have never met with a client where it's just happening. What do you mean? That's just me. I've never met with a kid or an adult who I thought...
1: Who was having an actual manic episode?
0: Just because? No. Like, I I can see that this criteria is met, but there's always a reason why. Why? And this doesn't go into the why of it. It's just the behaviors, which leads us to fill in the blanks of like, well, it must be a chemical imbalance. It must be a brain disorder, a genetic thing. It must be all these things that we cannot test or track or prove or measure in any way whatsoever.
1: I think that's a really good point because I'm trying to think of a of a time that I've met with a client who was actively in a manic episode. They described it to me. But I've never witnessed it in person, you know, in front of me in the therapy office. And and you're right, there was always other explanations for XYZ behavior. It's hard for me to imagine this happening in a vacuum.
0: Couldn't someone do these things who's in a very panicky, like anxious state?
1: For sure. Absol- See, look, that, what you just said there... That makes sense to me now. With all the freeze stuff you've been talking about,
0: panic and freeze, or that panic is the is the experience That's of coming right. out of freeze. Yes. Okay, all right.
1: right. Yes, I get it. That's look
0: <laughs> and rage as well. I'm telling you, like these symptom, just these behaviors. I think there's different paths, but um, for the di- for the mania diagnosis, or for the for the mania uh, piece of the diagnosis. But as far as polyvagal theory, obviously there's some level of sympathetic energy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But. Is that up the ladder, down the ladder, or coming out of freeze?
1: A hypomanic episode is similar to a manic episode, which we just described before, but the symptoms are less severe and need only and need to only last four days in a row. Hypomanic symptoms don't lead to the major problems that mania often causes and the person is still able to function. So a hypomanic episode is a manic episode with the volume turned down a little bit.
0: A, all right, now let's look at major depressive episode of the bipolar diagnosis of the DSM five. A major depressive episode is a period of two weeks in which a person has at least five of the following, including one of the first two. So it has to be one of the first two, and the first two are intense sadness or despair and loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. So the first one is going to this intense sadness or despair feeling helpless, hopeless, or worthless. Does this not sh- sound like shutdown of the polyvagal theory?
1: It surely sure does. And we,
0: we talked about this the in, in major depressive disorder uh, in a lot of detail. But yeah, this is that intense, especially the intense sadness or despair. It's not just sadness, but it's really like being deep down in that, that foggy, empty, detached, very shut down kind of place. Okay, we agree on point one.
1: We absolutely do.
0: Check. Number two, point two. Loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. Again, this, this sounds very much like shutdown. This anhedonia, the loss of interest in activities, or the loss of happiness, loss of pleasure. That life force energy is gone. We talked about life force today on Instagram, Mercedes. That life force energy is gone.
1: I think I missed it
0: it's still there you Life can course. you can chime in yeah yeah and the sympathetic connection like the, t- to yourself that connection to yourself that sympathetic energy or your motivation like using that sympathetic energy sympathetic energy and feeling that motivation in a certain direction like that's gone that that is um, in these major depressive episodes that's just not quite there
1: it's very shut down
0: very shut down there we go all right two for two shut down third point feeling worthless or guilty uh, yeah, like these feelings are very much the feelings of being in a shutdown state as well. Are they not?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I believe we've talked about this before on the podcast, but when a person is in a shutdown, there's also that, um, the aim of their shame and judgment is kind of aimed more inward. And so that makes sense as far as the feelings of worthlessness and guilt that they're going to like identify guilt onto themselves. Rather than somewhere else, you know, that's a very shut down thing to do.
0: All right, point four: sleep problems. Sleeping too little or too much. I think the sleeping too much is very, very, very much a shut down thing, and that's what I hear from the people I work with is uh, that are in more of a shut down place is the level of sleeping definitely goes up. Too little sleep might be due to some sympathetic energy returning. So I think that so far it sounds like the major depressive episodes are very much a shutdown thing. But uh, having too little sleep, doesn't that mean there's some sort of sympathetic energy there? So it actually might be coming out of that major depressive place with some sympathetic energy returning, which makes it difficult to sleep. So it might be too little sleep.
1: I was also wondering if it could be A shutdown, the danger cues that a person is experiencing and shutdown, or not experiencing, but, you know, neurocepting in a shutdown state, maybe they're too overwhelming. So that thing where it's, it's dangerous to go to sleep, it's dangerous to be still and to be in darkness and to lay down. And maybe that's too overwhelming and therefore they're not sleeping that much.
0: All right, point five, feeling restless or agitated, for example, pacing or hand wringing. Or slowed speech or movements. The feeling restless or agitated, that seems very, very sympathetic to me.
1: It does to me too. And I. it's interesting that it's listed as a symptom of the depressive episode.
0: It is, yeah. But again, that could be someone coming out of shutdown. So it's, it's like right, it goes right, right along with it. It could be there. But the slowed speech or movement sounds definitely like a shutdown kind of thing. The next point here is changes in appetite an increase or a decrease in appetite. Now I'm wondering if the increase in appetite or in eating, I guess, is that a coping skill of the emerging sympathetic energy, again, coming out of that major depressive shutdown place. And then with that huge return of energy, that eating could be a coping skill of it as a behavioral adaptation.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense
0: but it also could be maybe someone's appetite is just is just returning from shutdown when you're in a shutdown place i think your appetite goes down so maybe it's just kind of returning as that person works their way up the ladder and the decrease in appetite i'm wondering if is just really like a shutdown symptom where they're feeling hunger less and again like when you within sh- when shutdown is basically preparing for death and if you're preparing to die you, you're not going to have much of an appetite All right, point number seven here is a loss of energy or fatigue. Again, it's very shut down, preparing for death. The body is preparing for that. Um, Yeah, there's there's no energy. It's shutting down. It's shut down.
1: It's shutting down.
0: Next one is difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions. In the shutdown state, cognitive functions are shut down. You really don't have access to those things. You don't have access to problem solving and um, weighing pros and cons and and all the executive functioning skills, you simply don't have them.
1: The further down the ladder we go, yeah, the, the less ability we have for those things.
0: And the last piece here, which I think maybe we should go into another time, is frequent thoughts of death or suicide. From what I'm hearing from clients who are in a very depressive or shut down place, is that, yeah, thoughts of death enter their mind. Um, I think their body is kind of in that place already. It feels like they're dying. So that story follows state, I think. I don't think people think of suicide in their safe and social state. I don't think they really think about or anticipate dying in the same way as someone who's in a shutdown place where they feel like it's happening. And uh, if you're in if you're more of a safe and social state, I don't think that happens. I don't think that you might prepare for death. Like, you know, think about it, like plan. But that's different though. And I think flight, fight, I don't really think that there's a clear thinking about death in this way or feeling like you're dying.
1: It makes sense to me that because if you're thinking purely of the shutdown state, what's the like epitome of shutdown? It's death, right? So it almost feels like a natural progression that that's where story follows state, right? So if your state is shut down, it makes sense that your story will eventually get to that place because that's the ultimate manifestation of shutdown is
0: death i also think we can make the argument here that emerging from the freeze mixed state is also scary and might be related to suicide i think there's definitely a connection there i think peter Levine uh, mentioned that in one of his books i'm not sure which, i forget which one but uh suicide and self-harm could definitely be related to that uncontrolled freeze sympathetic energy coming out
1: Yeah, for suicide, there's definitely a little bit more sympathetic energy there. Thoughts of death are, to me, I don't want to say more related to shutdown, but, you know, suicide requires some action. And so that's the sympathetic energy. So it makes sense that it would be emerging from freeze, like you said.
0: Action and uh, planning as well, right? So how does bipolar disorder mania major depressive episodes, how do these relate to the polyvagal theory, the bigger picture? As we've said a number of times already, I think there's an uncontrolled return of sympathetic energy coming from shutdown into sympathetic uh, flight-fight state, or maybe a very uncontrolled release of frozen sympathetic energy in the mixed freeze shutdown, I'm sorry, in the mixed sympathetic and shutdown freeze state. But again, I like we said earlier, ethics I th- I is very much a client to client thing, but currently this is how at least I'm kind of conceptualizing things you know with, with we talk about these uh especially mania, these are behaviors It doesn't really talk about the underlying factors exactly. So I think that that those behaviors there's different paths that that can take to look like those behaviors.
1: But I think it is that the, the piece of it that makes the most sense to me is when you said uncontrolled. It really feels like an exaggerated form of, of the sympathetic energy or the freeze energy. But it, it's not like our regular one of the mill kind of state shifts that we usually talk about. It, this is bigger.
0: A couple of announcements. I've got an online therapy interest list Now available. If you go to justinlmft.com, you'll see under the services uh, therapy interest list. And I'm gearing, I'm very, very close to doing some online psychotherapy for people in California. So if you're in California and interested in working with me, just head on over to justinlmft.com go to the therapy interest list and there's some further instructions there on on, on what to do. So I'm, I'm getting pretty close on Mercedes. I, I'm It's been a huge goal of mine to do private practice for a long time now and I'm very, very close. I just got to find the right platform, make sure I'm HIPAA compliant, make sure I'm doing everything just right.
1: That's very exciting, Justin. Are you excited?
0: I really am. I can't wait. This is something I've been thinking it's about very, for very a cool. very long time. I yeah.
1: know. You've been talking about it for a while.
0: I know. It's time.
1: You're going to blow up. That's going to be huge.
0: I hope so. Mm-hmm. The second major announcement, that was the first major announcement. The second one is the Therapier Content Event number 1 is now live. The Therapier Content Event is this thing I organize where I put a question out there to our therapists or anyone in the wellness professions to answer uh the same question, right? And the question is, this time for number one is, is telling the trauma story necessary for treatment? And so far, I've gotten a whole bunch of submissions. Uh, if you go to justinlnft.com and then go to my blog, you'll see uh, the Therapy or Content Event number one hub. And that's where you can find my entry, but also a number of other entries of people who submitted their answers. It's really interesting to see uh, a variety of different thoughts on the subject. It's a lot of fun we have a super fan submission this is i said earlier in the announcements, like this might be the best one this was really really touching um and this person uh sent me a dm through instagram and they said this is it this is all i said thank you for your page it's like home oh, isn't so that the best sweet. thing ever yes. that really hit me that, that really connected for me and that was it nothing else beyond that i just wrote back saying like oh thank you no other response super simple that was it and um so i want to keep it anonymous just because i wanted it felt like it should be anonymous but i also wanted to share it but it was like that was just that's beautiful it's like home
1: yes there's a whole lot of emotion in that like
0: yeah exactly just
1: yeah. embedded in that
0: yeah that was the coolest thing ever. thank you so much for listening
1: thank you everybody
0: we hope you've learned some new ways to connect with others or even with yourself.
1: I didn't diagnose that. Anyway. Yeah,
0: I think rat is underdiagnosed. Reactive attachment disorder. I
1: think so. I know what it is.
0: I also think cowabunga is underdiagnosed.
1: <laughs> I think cowabunga is underused. It should definitely come back. And Bart Simpson needs to do something about it again. Oh, I thought
0: that was Michael well, That gets both of them, huh? Yeah, but you're right. Bark up, a dude. Yeah. Bar- oh, Bar- yeah. And the Ninja Turtles had yeah. some
1: good. Um, I totally was like, tubular, why is he bringing yeah. up like <laughs> Renaissance why? artists? And then I got it. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Part of the issue here, at Mercedes, is that there's these are behaviors. There's no explanation of why. <laughs> What? <laughs> what?
1: I can't even right now. What happened? <laughs> you said a why.
0: That's how I talk.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm freaking
0: there. It is.
1: Dude. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> it's gonna be two o'clock in the morning before we're done.